green cleaning legend, Lisa Bronner, granddaughter of Dr. Bronner, turns out doesn't like cleaning. We learn her story and so much more in today's show. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 351, and I have dear friend, author now, granddaughter of Dr. Bronner, Lisa Bronner on the show. And I don't know if you can hear the smile on my face, but boy, do I adore this woman. And Sometimes, especially in the low-tox space, right, we can think that there's these perfect people out there online who take great care and pleasure in all of their perfect low-tox things, but behind it, there's always a story. And what I love about Lisa is she's just so forthcoming about the fact that she's not particularly into cleaning. And for her, it was much more about connecting to the why and connecting to the why of choosing safer products. And what you're going to learn in today's show is that she wasn't always using Dr. Bronner's either. So that was something that came later for her too. Uh, It is a fascinating chat. Uh, We actually talk about specific uh, cleaning hacks as well as a bit of history on Dr. Bronner, as well as uh, the misnomer that all sodium lauryl sulfate or all palm oil is bad. Uh, so if you don't understand those things, it's definitely a great show to unpack those subjects. Something I took great pains to research when I first brought out our Golotox e-course. Uh, and it's it's just packed full of awesome. Um, so I, I know you're going to adore the show. Now, if you're listening and you're in Australia... And you're listening live because you're a a low-tox fidel that that jumps on every Monday and checks out the new show. Then Lisa's book is not out, Soap and Soul, it's called, is not out until October 10th officially, but you can pre-order it. We've got the links in the show notes and on Linktree if you fancy doing that. If you're one of our North American listeners, you can just jump straight online and, and grab a copy now. It's already out for you guys. Uh, but Soap and Soul and uh, is the name of the book. And I have to just front end this interview with a massive apology to Lisa because I have never gotten a guest's name wrong. I have never gotten the title of a book wrong until this show. And you will hear me right at the end of our chat. I will say Soap to Soul. Uh, now, I don't know if anyone else was a teenager in the 90s and really into nascent kind of hip-hop acid jazz stuff, but I was. And Soul to Soul was one of my favourite bands. Uh, and so I, <laughs> it was a complete uh, slip of the tongue. Uh, but the book is, in fact, called Soap and Soul, and it's gorgeous. I read it months ago before it came out. Uh, I really, really love how Lisa fuses Uh, her personal journey uh, into uh, growing up and leaving home and being a parent 
and what that looks like when it comes to starting to care more about cleaning and and having a nice environment because you're then responsible for those things through to the Dr. Bronner history and a few tales about grandpa as well as, of course, uh, really understanding low-tox ingredients, sourcing, uh, finding brands you can trust. Uh, and it's not just one big ad for Dr. Bronner's. It's a really frank conversation about the entire topic, uh, as you will see. So I'm going to hook into that in a little minute. But given this is a bonus show I'm putting on for you guys, we're releasing this on a Thursday, highly unusual. Uh, we have uh, just a quick reminder of the things that you've had available to you all month as discounts. For the Aussies, you have our wonderful Oz Climate Major Sponsorship. Do not wait until the humidity season to get your dehumidifier. Do not wait until there's, and let's hope there's not, a bushfire to get your air filters. We all know what's happening when these things come and everyone races online and finally sorts their prevention strategy out, they're sold out, right? So Lotox Life is your code, 10% is your discount, all of 2023, jump online and grab ahead of summer. Uh, and then, of course, we've had the wonderful Block Blue Light all month. If you don't know Block Blue Light, they're just such a wonderful brand helping us not only block blue light in times that we want to be doing so, especially in the evenings, um, but also, of course, uh, have really fantastic uh, red light panels. We gave one away at the start of the month to the lovely Nina uh, and... Uh, they have fantastic things like little uh, stick-on night lights that you can put in hallways and in just really inconspicuous areas. If you've got little ones and you're having to change nappies or um, give a feed and you don't want the blue light on, um, you know, some people just use the torch from their phones. I'm like, no, that's like a, a piercingly blue light. And then it's going to be very hard for baby and you to get back to sleep. So um, they're really fantastic range, very comprehensive. Uh, and of course, the wonderful glasses and sleep masks that I personally adore. Uh, so your discount code is LOTOXLIFE15 and you have 15% off site wide uh, with those. Then of course, we've had the wonderful Arctic Cod Liver Oil, 15% off with the code LOTOX. And all of these are in Linktree on Instagram in the link in bio to make it super easy. You have all the current offers right up the top. You can always pop on there and see what we've got going on makes it nice and easy for you guys and if you're club members we put it in there too lotox club what's that it's a super low cost membership you head to lotoxlife.com hit the explore tab lotox club is your first option it's cost of a coffee a month and uh, lots of great perks uh, and then dr Bronner's have jumped in and given us a code as well how nice uh, this is for the aussies 15% off with the code go lotox go lotox all one word 15% off uh, and head to drbronner.com.au and you've got that for the next 30 days. Amazing. So those are the offers. Um, the first three I mentioned are ending end of September. So if you need anything there in the land of swaps or insurance policies as it comes to us climate, um, then get on it while you can. And enjoy this awesome conversation with Lisa Bronner. Hello, Lisa Bronner. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Alex. How are you? I'm so well. So excited to have you back on the show. You were one of my 
<clears throat> maybe the first. I actually can't remember if it was show one or two, but uh, I had you on the show at the very beginning. And uh, seven years later, if you can believe it, uh, you are back. How you? Um, how have the last seven years played out for you as a as a human, as a mum? How's life? I've grown a lot. I've grown. Mm. I mean, I tell my kids I'm still growing up because I still and I still have so much left to learn. Uh, professionally, things have grown quite a bit. I think you caught me right as I was starting to do more public speaking. I was on. I'd been on my first international PR outing um, and got to come over and see you in person. And um, and so in these seven years, things have kind of skyrocketed. Partially because interest in the topics that you and I both address has skyrocketed, which has been fantastic. You know, I mm -hmm. want people to want to know um, and be asking these questions and be really digging into what's best for their environment. Um, and so I feel like we're all on this big wave that's been rolling forward together and, and picking up speed. So that's been that's been fun. So it in the past been. seven years, good. My kids have gone from little kids to, you know, bigger than me about to launch and <laughs> fun too. Nice. And uh, I know we're obviously here to discuss your beautiful new book coming out, um, just about to be out in the US and a couple of months to wait for the rest of us. Uh, what has led you to wanting to write a book? You know, it's such a big project. I've done it twice myself, so I know. Uh, was there a motivation to start thinking legacy and start thinking organization of thoughts so it's easy to share with someone who just wants to pick it up? Yes. Well, I have to say that I picked up your books a lot throughout the whole process to see, you know, how did Alex do this? What did she put in her appendix? You know, what was her introduction like? Um, so I really appreciate the, the path you laid for me. Um, so I think the motivation behind the book was, um, you know, I've been writing my Going Green with Lisa Bronner blog for 13 years now. And, you know, in my head, it's one big piece, you know, mm. I, I see I, I've got all the articles in my head, and I can think about what I've written. But for most readers, that's not how they experience a blog. And uh, they often only see the most recent posts. And so I wanted to do a book to bring everything together into one picture so that people could see the interconnectedness between all these topics, um, and especially to see the interconnectedness between how they care for their bodies and how they care for their houses is also connected to their inner well-being um, and their ability to thrive as an individual. And so I just, um, I wanted to have a, a medium um, that was more uh, cohesive than a blog that puts everything all in one spot, all my recipes, all my how-tos, all my science, um, and then a bunch of stories so people could see how this is part of a, a life, mm. happens to be my life. Well, it, it's a very good idea and it's an absolutely fantastic resource for people who are going to be coming across it for sure. And you mentioned all my science and it brings me back to a memory where I had been to a, a few talks. I had started giving talks as well around about the 12, 13 year mark ago as well. So we really did start at the same time. And uh, I remember the action groups that were forming around uh, palm oil and SLS 
And I remember in my infancy starting to try and find good low-tox brands to recommend. And I came across Dr. Bronner's and I, I, I read the whole label in the health food shop right there. Wow. I was like, this is taking a while. Um, good for you. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I then uh, looked at uh, the um some of the other ingredients and thought, oh, but there's palm oil in this and uh, there's SLS in that. So I probably, this is probably not low tox. And because of this, the few things I had learned, but what I started to realize in actually you had done an SLS blog post and I was so grateful for it because you stepped out all of the things we should be thinking about with uh, some a chemical like sodium lauryl sulfate. And I would actually love to talk about that today because a lot of people just diss it straight away. It's like, can't use it. I obviously have a lot of educational tools around what to use, what not these days, but I'd love to hear it from you, given you did such deep research for those first blog posts to explain the chemical and what we should be looking for on the labels. Yes, SLS was one of the first sort of, um, oh, um, misinformation bits I addressed. Um, mm-hmm. It, I, I think it's a personal pet peeve of mine when, when people um, don't ask enough questions and they just jump to a conclusion and believe what they're told. Um, I want people to go in and understand it. And SLS had gotten wrapped up in a marketing push um, where I almost wonder if it was intentionally confused with its with SLES, which is uh, and the difference between the two, sodium lauryl sulfate is the one that we abbreviate SLS, and sodium lauryl mm. sulfate is the one that we abbreviate SLES. And I mean, yeah, they're really similar in their in their names. Um, they're both detergents, uh, surfactants. They're uh, you know both sourced in the same way, um, but sodium lauryl sulfate goes through one extra step of ethoxylation, which is a process which um, can produce the, uh, or does produce the carcinogenic byproduct 1,4-dioxane. And so because it's a byproduct, you'll never see it on a label, but oftentimes products that contain SLES also contain 1,4-dioxane. Um, and then it became this marketing thing where you, you like people said, oh, let's market on the SLS free claim. Who knows what else is in the product, but we'll just, you know, put a big banner that says SLS free when there's no, there's none of the carcinogenic concern with SLS as there is with SLES. Now in saying that, I also want people to know that I don't think SLS belongs in body care products. Exactly. Not because it's carcinogenic, because mm. it's not. It's just, it's a really, really good degreaser. And we do not need really, really good degreasers on our skin. It's going to be really drying. Totally. And so, yeah. And so, you know, um, we we do have it in our all-purpose household cleaner, our biodegradable um, sal seds, which this product right here. Um, mm. And that's an all-purpose household cleaner uh, and really good at, at cleaning things, but not... Um, not what you would want to use as a body wash. However, SLS is ubiquitous, as you know, in shampoos and in in body washes uh, on the conventional market. So mm. that's why it's important for people to know why they are, you know, avoiding something to make sure they're avoiding it in the right context and for the right reason. So yes, avoid SLS in your body care, but it's great in your house cleaning. It's a very effective biodegradable detergent. So. Just know why. So you you apply the the lesson of don't use it 
you know, in the right spot. Mm. And then oh, in you, time, sorry, oh, you say, you say, no, all good. Well, I realize you also brought up palm oil. Mm, I did, but I just want to ask you one more question about SLS. Does it then matter where it comes from, how it's made, the raw material that's used? Because well, that's absolutely. another concern. Yeah. Yeah. So SLS, you, you heard me use the word detergent and um, uh, detergent and soap. They're both surfactants. Um, and uh, I'm, I know that you know this, but in case there's someone new, um, there isn't, it isn't proper to say soap, good, detergent, bad. It all depends upon what they are, how they're formulated. Um, there are, uh, you know, excellent soaps, of course, Dr. Bronner's makes a great one. Um, and there are soaps that if they're not properly made, they're going to have a really high pH. It wouldn't be good for your skin. Same with detergents. There are situations in which a detergent is, um, you need it because, for example, soap, reacts with hard water it reacts with the minerals so if you have hard water you will only notice this if you're washing something shiny so it doesn't really impact our skin all that much but if you're washing your dishes or your car um, you're going to notice the water spots um and so uh so detergents are uh, you know have their usefulness as well um with every ingredient, the source of it does matter. So a detergent is synthetic. It, it requires quite a bit of, of laboratory processing. You're not going to be able to make a detergent in your kitchen. You can make a soap in your kitchen. It's a simple reaction between oil and alkali. Um, so that could be, you know, a, an animal fat or in the case of Dr. Bronner's um, plant-based oils like olive and coconut and palm oil. Um, but detergents have a lot of synthesis and therefore you kind of can start from a lot of places. You can synthesize SLS from a petroleum source. You can also synthesize SLS from coconut oil. Uh, now we're getting into an issue of sustainability. Mm. If you're if you're producing it from a petroleum source, it's, a, it's something that's not sustainable. That's highly environmentally impactful to um, to, to to acquire. Um, it's not a renewable resource either because you know uh, you can't plant it and grow it again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and it's very, you know, it's, it's very intensive to, um, to start from petroleum. Uh, mm. So SLS that's derived from coconuts um, or other plant oils is going to be much uh, gentler on the environment, even mm -hmm. if you end up at the end with the same, the same product, SLS. Petroleum is also going to have a lot more byproducts throughout the, you know, the refining and uh, until you get to the end product. So once again, ask your questions. Where is your where the manufacturer is getting their ingredients? What is their basis? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where that's where certifications can really help. Um, a trustworthy certification that can say this is plant derived, um, or you know it's made in a in a uh, environmentally gentle way. However, they want to put that. Yeah. Well, and that leads us to uh, greenwashing, right? Uh, there is so much confusion on labels. And I love that you mentioned SLS free as a banner. Uh, <laughs> you can see gluten free and then you can see, you know, there's so many things, paraben free because consumers know about parabens now, but then you turn over the label and there are other synthetic hormone disruptive uh, ingredients that are acting as preservatives. So um, one of my favorites here is, a brand that does quite a few good things and they've got a picture of a planet on the front of their label, but they still include petroleum-based colours. So they, their detergent is still bright blue and it's not from uh, cornflower. 
Um, and uh, it also stinks. It, it's not apple. It's who knows what it is, but it definitely is not real apples that they've got in there for their apple fragrance. And, and people feel disempowered. Like you have your first few steps into doing things a bit more low tox. Then you think you're doing the right thing. Uh, but if you haven't come across resources like yours and mine, and you're just trusting what your eyes see and what you know that's limited, you end up feeling so bad when you learn later that that wasn't great either. What are some of your favorite tips to share with people on greenwashing? Yes. Yeah. You're so right. Because I mean, they're capitalizing on people's interest and wanting to have cleaner products, um, but completely misleading them. So, well, the first thing, and you already touched on this is turn that bottle over and read the ingredients. Mm. It it does not matter what the front of the label says about what it doesn't have Mm -hmm. the fragrance, the, the preserve, well, uh, we'll get the preservatives in a minute, but you know, it doesn't matter what's not in it. It matters what is in it. Mm. Um, and honestly, if something like the gluten-free thing, I, I know that usually has to do with food, but you do see that claim on, on body care products a little bit. Um, if it's on a product that very obviously wouldn't have gluten in it, I just, I think that they're probably, I don't know. I don't know what, what they're, they're just to. searching like, for something to say, yeah, this is healthy. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, there you you just nailed it. Is that Mm. then they use this term gluten free to mean healthy, which I mean, if if you're not sensitive to gluten, then gluten free isn't doesn't make it healthier. No. um, Well, certainly not in the world where we now have gluten free Oreos and gluten free cheesy puffs. It's uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. or even certified organic. You know, I saw that too. It just makes you laugh. Um, absolutely I know I tell my kids when they do that my mom is organic I'm like by that point it doesn't really matter exactly it's dead it's dead inside right that's that's right yeah Yeah. so the first step with with uh with avoiding green washing is definitely read those ingredients um you know and it's this isn't a fail-safe way but if the ingredients are really long and really tiny um, that right there is a red flag, I would say. Um, I do like to mm. go for products that have fewer ingredients. Um, just, uh, I mean, it's just easier for an individual to parse and understand. Um, I'm also big into, you know, loyalty to brands. If you, if you find a brand that's trustworthy, um, by doing a little bit of research, looking, looking at, um, evaluations of them by independent organizations like, uh, the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics or the Environmental Working Group Skin Deep Database. Um, these can help you. There's another database I've looked at recently called I Read Labels For You. Um, uh, she's got a chemistry background, which I lack, and I, I've really enjoyed learning from her. Um, that maybe doesn't sound very snazzy and romantic, and you can't really do that in a store aisle. But, you know, if these are products you use every day and maybe one evening of research would help you speed up your shopping for years. I think Mm. it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and then I really think part of the low tox transformation is stopping thinking you need to look at everything new that's coming out as well. You know what I mean? Like, I think part of it is getting off the treadmill of, oh, it's new. I should buy it. Or it's new. I should check it out. If you're using things that you'd like already, 
what what is the why search why keep looking and i think that's part of the disconnection from the wheel of of hyper consumerism you're absolutely right i mean marketing is powerful mm. and uh the like i notice it if i if i end up spending too much time on social media which is not good for many reasons but one of them is all the ads that pop up mm. i find i I do a lot more shopping when I've been on social media because I've got had a lot more stuff put in front of me for, for one thing. Mm. And before I saw it, I was perfectly fine without it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, turning that off, uh, turning off streams of advertising, whatever, whatever that may be, um, I find really helpful, but you're mm. right. If something, if, 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 if it's working for you, there's no need to second guess it and say, well, let me go see if this new thing is better. I mean, yeah, and then you save that. all that time looking into that brand and this thing and da 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 and all the labels. Uh, it actually life gets a bit quieter when you just say, "Yeah, I'm happy with what I got." Absolutely, <laughs> it's so much easier. Um, so let's talk palm oil because that's another super confusing one. And uh, I've I've talked with you about this before, uh, and Gero Lasson as well, who's the head of your. Um, your uh, sourcing and and community outreach side of the business, which is incredible work uh, that you guys commit to as as a company. Um, how, in short terms, does Dr. Brunner feel completely okay with using palm oil? Because a lot of people would be like, oh, I thought they were hippies. Like, what are they doing? You know, like yeah. as you if you first see the brand, if you've somehow missed it so far, but um, it's it's a common reaction, and I often find myself standing up for you guys in in palm oil action activist comments. I'm like, guys, it's okay, and you know, step them through, and I point them to the podcast because you know, again, we need to um, we need to think about how uh, how where things come from and and who is doing the work and. One of the big reasons palm oil is so complicated is because the market makes it really difficult to trace palm oil as well. Um, so you might want to, as a brand, use sustainable palm oil, but that in itself can be really hard to do. Yes, yes. I, I mean, the case around palm oil with so many issues, especially when they're really, you know, a front and center uh, piece of our cultural conversation, is let's make sure we're identifying the correct problem. Mm. And it is true, there has been, there is a problem around palm oil. Um, and there have been many documentaries about it, and many of them are very, very dire. And the conclusion they leave you with is that palm oil is evil. Mm. That is not correctly identifying the problem. So, first of all, why do people use palm oil? They don't, they don't use palm oil because they're evil and they want to use something evil. They use palm oil because it's an incredibly useful and versatile ingredient. It grows uh, very densely. You get it's um, it's a, a tree that produces the most oil per hectare um, of of land, and so you know you get a lot of it for what you've planted and for the resources that it takes. Uh, it's very versatile. It's used in food. It's used in body care. It's used in industrial things. Um, those aren't bad things. It being useful is not a bad thing. The issue is that because it's in such high demand, the the way that it is often produced is extremely horrible. Mm. Uh, clear cutting, um, wiping out smallholder farms in lieu of, of, of giant 
um, you know, thousand, thousands of acre plantations, um, habitat destruction, uh, burning, all sorts of things. Yes, that happens. That is, that is, uh, you know, something we need to figure out. It's not the ingredient that's the problem here, though. It's the production method. It's the planting. Mm. Um, and it's really a bigger conversation about our agricultural practices in general. Mm. Um, here in America, we have a massive problem with monocultures where people have, you know, the, the way to do agriculture has been to take a piece of land and plant one thing on it or raise one, you know, one type of animal on it. And that was never the way that nature set it up. Nature gives us a fantastic example of diversity and uh, interconnectedness between animals and plants. And it doesn't work if you do it another way. So so the monocultures of palm farms has also been part of the problem. Um, so Dr. Bronner set out acknowledging the uh, usefulness uh, and versatility of palm oil to figure out, well, how can we solve the actual problem, which is how it's produced? Uh, and so uh, we went looking for a solution and we found it in Ghana. So uh, for one thing, people are usually, if they've heard of one animal that palm hurts, although it can hurt many, it's the orangutans. Orangutans don't live in Ghana. But uh, that, as I said, that's not really the main problem. The main problem is how it's produced. And so we um, rehabilitated a mill that had been there, but it, we, um, it needed to be restored and refurbished. So we got a, the mill up and running and we started working with smallholder family farms and teaching them how to grow palm oil in ways that were sustainable, that um, produced palm oil, but not at a detriment to land uh, or animals and also was a benefit to the families. And this is where we set up, the operation is called Surrender Palm. Mm. Um, it was our second operation that we set up. The first was a coconut oil mill in uh, Sri Lanka. And Surrender Palm has, is now working with thousands of farmers, walking them through the very vigor, uh, rigorous um, journey to certification, organic fair trade, and now regenerative organic certification. And what this involves is we're taking long used and depleted farmland that's been used solely for palm oil and educating farmers in practices that make this land rich and biodiverse. So bringing in many, many crops and um, uh, uh, agricultural philosophy called dynamic agroforestry, which is farming like nature, which is diversity. Um, and so the farmers are very strategically planting many, many crops together. Uh, and the advantage not only is that they, they provide protection for the ground, uh, keeping out weeds without intensive weed control, holding in water, building up the biomass by uh, mulching and composting. Uh, and then importantly for the well-being of the farmers, giving them crops that are ready to harvest all through the year. So mm. not just, you know, one crop that they benefit from during its harvest time. And if that harvest doesn't doesn't go well, then they're done for the year and they have to wait a year before they have another opportunity. So, you know, when they when they plant uh, biodiverse crops, they've got palm oil for its season and then they have cacao and they have banana and they have cassava and they have uh, turmeric and garlic and all of these things planted together, legumes they're constantly harvesting something, constantly bringing something to market. Um, so it's benefiting their families, giving them a more steady income rather than just the one harvest time um, and benefiting the land because it's it's getting fed instead of stripped. Mm. Um, 
And so this is how you do palm oil well. Um, if we just say no palm oil, we're gonna not use any palm oil, they're gonna come up with another ingredient and they're gonna produce it just as badly. Maybe it'll be coconut oil, maybe some other oil. And the issue will not be solved because it's the, it's in the, the farming and the production practices, not in the ingredient itself. So just have to make sure we're solving the right problem. Yeah, I could not agree more. And uh, I, I think it's a really uh, amazing template you've laid out for um, working with smallholder farmers, because I think that piece has been missing in big business as well. Like how do you do that well um, and still be profitable and still grow as a company, but also still allow for um, sovereignty and local community uh, and smallholder farming, which is really the backbone of prosperity around the world. If you look at history, people being allowed to have a small plot of land and and earn and live from it. Um, so I, I just love that. That case study for me is one that gives me so much hope for if we can actually start to do that more and more, uh, we, we could head in the right direction. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And I will call out my colleague, you mentioned Garrow. He wrote a book about this called honor thy label. And it's just full of his stories of getting these projects started because they were not easy. There were a lot of missteps, a lot of, all right, let's back up uh, and 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 go a different route. Um, and we've been happy to be the guinea pigs in this and and do some trial and error. And so hopefully other uh, producers and users of palm oil can, you know, skip some of the mistakes we made and jump straight to the successes. Mm. And thank you for um, pointing out that it's not always linear, right? You don't just have a great idea to do it the right way and then it works perfectly. Like that also takes work. And People need to be patient and compassionate toward the people doing the work. I think often there's criticism and, you know, Brene Brown talks about that fantastic Roosevelt quote where, you know, don't don't let yourself be criticised by someone who's not in the arena. Uh, and I think that's huge. Yeah. Mm. So I want to ask you about your own trial and error in your life because you did not start out as a super green blogging, perfect homemaking, uh, just want to, you know, clean my house or my dorm room all the time. Let's talk about the Lisa before, <laughs> or, or maybe we should say the real Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just call it the Lisa that's still in progress process. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I think the person who's shown the most grace has been my mom because I'm sure she has the clearest memory of me, you know, in my, in my uh, youth and even into my not so youth about, uh, yeah, I'm not a naturally um, tidy and organized person. Hmm. I um, can think of many things I would rather do with my time. However, I like things to be tidy and organized and it has been a you know, uh, uh, exercise and strengthening my 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 self control muscles, my self will to uh, keep my eye on that prize of wanting to live in the environment, uh, and realizing that I I have to create that environment. Mm. Uh, honestly, I have to say my kids were my biggest motivation. Um, there, uh, I think you know the story, Alex. That my like, if I had to pick a turning point in my life between when I realized I needed to figure out a better way of cleaning my house and taking care of my space was when my second son was two and he was always the one that would get into things and he would he got into my all-purpose spray 
that mm-hmm. I was using to clean my house. And it was, you know, a big store brand and um, or name brand. And he got it when my back was turned and put it straight into his mouth and sucking on the nozzle. And it was that moment. I mean, of course, I snatched it from him, uh, looked at the label. There's no ingredients on it because uh, cleaning products weren't labeled at the time. Um, called poison control. They didn't know what was in it because again, cleaning products mm. didn't closed. And um, that was when I realized I had a problem that, you know, why do we clean? We clean to have, you know, more beautiful, but also safer and more hygienic um, spaces that are good for us. And here I was clearly using something that I didn't know if it was actually good for us. Um, and that's when I started asking the questions, um, what am I using? What is needed? Uh, so I started with cleaning up my house cleaning products first. Um, and then the same questions started coming up with my personal care. Um, mm. It really was a step-by-step thing um, and learning about, you know, reading reading products because Dr. Bronis doesn't make all the products that are needed. And so I did have to read some other 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 products and learning what those were and sometimes my head would hurt and I'd be frustrated because it just seemed like so much and that you know it's a lot about showing myself grace and realizing that if you know I've fallen off the wagon for a little bit because things got hard or overwhelming that I can acknowledge that and change course and 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 get back going in the right direction so Mm. it's a lot of grace a lot of self-grace, I would say. <laughs> a lot of grace. I, I am exactly the same. Um, I, I I love clean and tidy, but I'm not great at clean and tidy. <laughs> it's it's frustrating uh, in life. However, um, I'm definitely a big fan of ease. And so I want to ask you then, like you grow up in a soap family. The soap is right there. I mean, how <laughs> easy would it have been for you to make your own multi-purpose spray with what you have like literally lying around by the thousands in warehouses um at what moment did you realize it was actually really great to have grown up in the Dr. Bronner family because for you it wasn't like oh yay I'm a part of this family and my family makes soap that wasn't like your um your teen identity you weren't super excited about that and and, and you talk about in your book actually how you had to develop that connection or or almost develop a realization of how lucky you were. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had to, you'd think I could have taken the easy road and just learned from the people around me, but no, I had to, I had to learn it all myself just because I'm stubborn and I don't want to listen to people. Um, And so, yeah, I went my own path, um, you know, using all the popular marketed products and, and, you know, enjoying those, and then, you know, someday you get to a point and you're like, wait a second, I'm using this because it promises, you know, beautiful skin or a uh, beautiful house. And I, yeah, I don't have that experience. You know, my, my skin was, uh, was quite terrible. I, I, you know, acne well into my teen or my twenties. Um, and so, you know, let me back up a second and figure out what it is that, why am I doing what I'm doing? And, and uh, gosh, it was a slog. Mm. Um the first thing I started using the Dr. Bronner soap for regularly, and yeah, this is terrible that I'm telling you this when I grew up with it, <laughs> um, because I didn't, 
you know, it's just like, I don't think of myself as a rebel, but then I think that I must be because I, I didn't want to use what was free after me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and really I wanted available. I wanted to go out and find my own thing. So when I finally came back to the soap, um, the first thing I was like, oh, wow, this really is a great soap was using the tea tree Castile for my face and getting that clear up. And I, I guess this is a sign of my own vanity that that's like the first thing but nonetheless well um, a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people though the gateway to going low tox usually is quite a selfish like I just want this to be better whether it's a health condition whether it's like the acne um and that's okay because then once you realize it's better for you that's when you can look outwards often yes it's just how most humans are there's nothing to feel bad about well and it's also true that you need the product to work I mean the, the most ecological mindset or, you know, desire to be green, it's going to get sunk real quick if the products don't work. Mm. Um, that's what you were saying earlier when someone, you know, wants to go green or, you know, clean up their products and then they think they're buying one that is and it doesn't make them feel better. And that's because we know it's not actually a great product. It's It's got a lot of gunk in it. Um, and then it, it sort of sinks their effort and they think, well, this green thing, it's not worth the money and the time. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, well, I, so as far as the house side of things go, I figure if I've found a way that works, it must really work because it's, <laughs> I'm not somebody that's like, we'll just go do it. We'll hmm. just go take care of that. Like, what's the big deal? No, I need, I need it to be easy. I need it to, you know, be something I can do without a whole lot of hassle. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's been a lot of, I would say, psychology for myself. Um, I use the piggyback technique where you, if you want to have a new habit, you piggyback it on the back of something you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, how I get myself to exercise. Whenever I take my daughter to school, I go, I don't go home until I've exercised. And that, that helps. Yeah, me. that's a good one. Love that. In the summer, which, you know, some kids are out right now, uh, the doesn't work so well because they're not going to school. But um, the other thing I've realized is that in my days, I've got four things I must do in the morning. And if, if I don't do them, it will derail my day. And mm. if honestly, that's the only thing I do in my day, my day will be okay. And the, the four things I have to do is make my bed, empty the sink, the kitchen sink, if there are dishes in it move the laundry along, whatever it may be, and take a shower. Mm. And I find that if there's one of those four things I don't do, uh, at the end of the day, I'll just feel off. Mm. Um, And, you know, some days go south. Some days, you know, every good effort you're making, something goes wrong. A kid gets sick, a plumbing breaks or whatever. Um, But somehow if you've done, if I've done those first four things in the day, I still go to bed thinking, you know, I did go forward a little bit today. Yeah, so. that's that's so nice. And I think a, a lovely invitation for people to think about what those four things might be for themselves. Might not be the right. exact same things, but what really just makes you feel like baseline, I got shit done today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Mm. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I can look at my bed. I did that. <laughs> Even if I go team. My other, <laughs> yeah. My other trick um, and, yeah, this one might sound really sorry, but it, it helps me mm. is that, um, in addition to a to-do list, cause I, I do like to make lists and sometimes I make a to-do list at the end of the day, I make a to-da list and a to-da list is a list that I actually did 
uh, so in the to-do list, it's really aspirational, you know, that my intention today is clean out the kitchen drawers and, you know, mop the floor and take the dog to the vet and whatever else I need to do. Um, but, you know, one thing happens and none of that gets done. Uh, but the to-do list is what actually happens. So maybe at the end of the day, the to-do list is, you know, um, I, I dealt with the plugged toilet and and got it cleared. Not what I was planning on doing today, but hey, I did it. Um, I spent, you know, uh, an hour building building a Lego structure with my with my son. Or um, I love that that sort of day, you know. And so it it captures the successes of the day, even if it wasn't what you thought you were going to do in that day. That so. is so important, uh, especially for those who get sidetracked. I often get sidetracked. Uh, and I think everyone does. Like you can set intentions, but the best of intentions don't always come to, to fruition. Um, in terms of uh, DIY, I want to ask you because, I mean, the book's fantastic and you step through the different rooms of the house and that's intertwined with really beautiful personal stories along the way. Uh, which I know it, it, for me, it just made it such a lovely, easy read, even though there was so much factual to do how to type stuff. Uh, those personal stories, uh, you know, like just life in your day to day, as well as tales, uh, you know, talking about your grandpa or how you and your husband met and things like that are really, um, really quite a fresh way to approach this topic. I had never seen a book in this space written quite like that. And, uh, and it was such a, a lovely autobiography guidebook as well. Like it's, <laughs> it's really oh nicely God. done. Um, why do you feel like you wanted to share so many personal stories? Do you think that that's kind of part of the magic of relatability and, Hey, I'm just another crazy human doing life and this is how it looks for me. Uh, that's how it felt for me, but I'd love to hear what your intention might have been. Right. Well, I did want to make everything real and mm -hmm. be vulnerable. I think we don't have enough vulnerability in our conversations. You know, we always put on our best face. And I mean, there's no problem with that. But when that's all we see of each other, the picture perfect images that we put online or that we put in public, um, and we're not sharing the stories of, hey, you know, I've messed up, um, uh, you know, I've made mistakes or I'm just having a bad time and it's a rough period for me. Um, you know, that's where it gets real because mm. honestly, none of us, we all know that we struggle. We we know that those picture perfect images aren't real. Like they're not, they don't tell a whole story. Mm. Um, so, you know, yes, I wanted to people to know me and to know that I'm a real person. Um, and that I, I have, you know, my ups and downs and my learnings and triumphs and all that. Um, and, but I also wanted to invite them to, you know, do the same and to open up hopefully with people that they know in their life. I mean, people do open up with me a lot and I, I appreciate their trust, but I, I do hope they're able to do that with, with people that they're a direct contact with. Um, so there's that. There's also that I wanted to write the book that I would read. Mm. And I'm a story person. I love stories. Yeah. I've, I'm an English teacher by training. Um, I read, like, that's how I'll waste a day accidentally. I'll get into a book and, you know, 
forget, um, lose track of time and all that. So, so the stories were the key part. I mean, I wanted the information to be in there. And I think I counted those like 85 recipes and, and tips and how to's in the book, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the unusual person that's going to sit down and just read 85 recipes straight through. Um, so I wanted to give, give a story that people can just enjoy and hopefully, um, you know, resonate with in some way. Well, you definitely did. And uh, on the topic of vulnerability, something I've been asking guests lately, because uh, I, I just want to debunk the idea that uh, low-tox living is this perfect place you arrive and then everything's always perfect and you do everything by the book all the time. And I've asked doctors, naturopaths, all sorts of people uh, on the show the last few months since I started asking this question, and I'm going to spring it up on you now. Where is your low-tox line? Like, what are you okay with sometimes doing that just is completely unhealthy or just go (laughs) with the flow because you're with friends, uh, you know, uh, on the beach and everyone's having fish and chips deep fried in vegetable oil, so you just go with the flow and you do it too. Like, what is your, yeah, I'm okay with that happening sometimes. Right. Well, I mean, one thing you just nailed is when I'm with friends, I've had people who maybe are just getting to know me and they think they have to have all their green. Me too. T's crossed and I dotted. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, if you only knew. (laughs) Um, But I mean, being with people is, uh, well, first of all, I'm never, you know, if somebody is is my host or I'm a guest, I am never going to... you know, find fault with something they've, they've prepared or whatever. But I also value relationships uh, almost above anything else. And so, you know, food, even junk food or um, desserts and stuff, those can be really bonding. And Mm. those bonds like between people and those bonds are really, really important. Um, And so like my husband and I have a rule. It's a, it's a policy. We sometimes break (laughs) it, but which is um, no sugar alone. Mm. which means you don't eat sugar if you're by yourself. Um, but if you're, you know, in a, in a group having a night out or, you know, celebrating somebody and, and there's a treat, um, yeah, by all means. So celebratory sugar is allowed. Uh, and so that's, you know, it's, be, it's because we value our relationships and, uh, above, above, um, most things, um, with my kids, um, we started this one a long time ago. So I have three of them. And uh, right now they're 19, 17 and 13. So, you know, uh, about to launch one of them's one of them's in in college. A long time ago, when they were quite young, and you know, every meal is a full body experience. I'm sure you remember those days somehow. (laughs) Such a good way to put it. (laughs) Well, love that. In my in my dad's honor, because my dad loved um, uh, drumsticks. I don't know if they're called the same thing in Australia, but it's the ice cream cone with the chocolate coating. Oh yes, yeah, cornetto or drumsticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my dad loved drumsticks, and so his honor, we had drumsticks. But I knew, you know, with my kids, it was going to be everywhere. So the policy was, you can only eat your drumstick outside. Mm-hmm. And so we started this tradition of drumsticks on the front porch. Um, when whenever we had them and the weather was was decent um and we were all home together which these days is is really rare for you know everybody's always going every which way 
And so uh, drumsticks on the front porch are still something that we do when we can. Um, again, it's about the relationship and about the bonding. Um, and I think it is a bit of a celebratory sugar because I, I think family and being together. Celebrating is family. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so thrilled to have had you back on the show. I know for anyone listening live this month, you can pre-order if you're an Australian, the uh, Lisa's book, Soap to Soul. Uh, and um if you're in the US, is it just the US or Canada as well? They can already grab it. The US and Canada, it launches on October 10th. So just in just a few weeks. Yeah. Okay. So we are nearly about to be able to get it all over the world is the point. I've got all the details in the show notes. Uh, I think Soap and Soul is uh, a book that everyone who's in this space will just feel comforted by like it'll just be such a lovely uh reminder of why we're all doing what we're doing as imperfect humans just simply trying to move forward uh in all the good ways we can uh when and um when we're ready you know because brain space that's come up today that's that's a big part of it uh and I might just ask you to finish with what your absolute favorite recipe is from the book mm. and from your day-to-day life. Like what do you just feel clever about almost, <laughs> uh, you know, because there's always one that someone goes, right. I feel clever when I do this. Yes. Well, I, uh, it'll be one that I came up with all by myself because I've read a lot of read a lot of green cleaning books. I've read a lot of, you know, people's people have used Dr. Bronner's products and come up with some neat things. And, and I fiddle with, you know, an idea and develop mm. it on my own. But one that I started from scratch and I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. I've never heard of anybody doing it. Um, and I'm sure someone has done it, but I hadn't read about it. And that was um, because of all the concern, uh, right, proper concern about uh, wanting to reduce plastic and wanting to reduce plastic consumption, there's been a huge surge in bar soap sales. Mm. And that's fantastic. Um, our, you know, uh, we make the Castile soap in liquid and in bar. Um, so if somebody wants to buy a bar soap, which is wrapped in paper, um, can they do all the things with it that you can do with, with the liquid Castile soap? Because the liquid Castile soap, you can... Just combine a bit of it with some water and make a spray. You can put a bit in your mopping solution and you're ready to go. It's, you know, really easy, but that's kind of hard to do with a bar. Um, and so uh, so I set out to liquefy the bar soap and mm. I had a lot of um, trial and error. Don't microwave it. <laughs> I have seen don't you try to, that. Yeah. Don't try mm-hmm. to melt it. Like yeah, straight. That doesn't work either. So, so eventually, what I uh, what I found that worked after a lot of trial and error, and my kids being pretty frustrated that yet again I was playing with soap in the kitchen instead of making food, um, is I took took the bar of Dr. Bronner's Castile soap, I cubed it up, and I put it in water overnight, uh, uh, four cups of water, um, to let it soften. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to let it soften because it's a really hard bar, which is intentional, so it you know doesn't melt in your shower. Um, and then after it has soaked overnight, go ahead and put it in your blender and blend it on low. And it makes this, well, I, I call it soap cream. Mm. It's this liquid. Um, my daughter loved playing with it because she was she was about nine when I when I developed it. And it was um, there was a big craze about slime, like a oh, clay yes. slime. we went through the same. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think she just loved the texture of the soap cream. So after she, she was done playing with it, 
Um, it has it makes this really nice foam. Um, I just started diluting it for all the same uses as the liquid soap. So the made all purpose spray, used it in laundry, used it in mopping, wash my dishes. Um, and, uh, you know, so for somebody who is not wanting to buy anything in plastic and wants to use bar soap, here is a way that you then can use the bar soap to clean your whole yeah. house and cleaning your house with bar soap sounds a little strange, but it does work. And, <laughs> and the, the soap cream is a, it's a lot of fun. I love it. it. And it's such an amazing recipe and you're right. It does feel clever. So I'm glad you feel clever doing it because <laughs> I sure do. And I think it's one of those steps to then furthering our, our plastic reduction missions as everybody has. And I know you guys have just brought out a carton in the U S that'll globally roll out eventually as well for people to look out for. Um, thank you. I know we have many other conversations that we can now point people to that we've had in the past, uh, cause I'm sure everyone wants to hear more. And I just want to say thanks for being you, a totally imperfect and fabulous human trying <laughs> to drive things forward for people and planet. You're one of my faves. Oh, thanks so much, Alex. I think, I think we could probably fill a whole weekend's worth of we conversations and things and such. So it's always a joy to be able to join you here. Thanks again. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.